This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Before I get into the parsha, much about Yichi, I want to talk about our Shabbaton coming up. We haven't had a Shabbaton in years, and um, anyone who's ever been there, I don't really need to talk about it because you've been there. It's amazing. There are certain um, times in life that are game changers, and we very much know from our past Shabbatons that they have changed, mamish changed lives. Our Shabbaton will take place, Mitz Hashem, on February the 3rd. I have, I have some flyers over here. Um, February the 3rd, Shabbos Pasha's bow. And, um, my, I'm gonna be there, of course. Rabbi Ruvet Epstein, Gil Freeman, Rabbi Yemen Ginsburg, Rabbi Y.Y. Greenberg, Rabbi Shroel Grossberg, Label Lamb, Ezra Max, Rabbi Fischel Schechter, Rabbi Hudestern, Michael Twersky, Jackie Vitone, uh, Malky Wallstein. We have a full day camp, um, for, for our entertainment. Amazing. We have Yoni Z and we have Nisan Black from Eretz Yisrael. Um, and he's going to tell us the story, his life story over Shabbos. He's a Ger, Ger Tzedek. And, um, it's a pretty amazing story. It's a crazy Shabbos. The best food, Chapanash is, uh, is catering. Whoever's been there, you know the food. It's a beautiful hotel. The Sheraton Parsippany, it's a very fancy hotel. And it's just from when you walk in there until you leave on Sunday afternoon, it's, um, it's just pure chizik. It's shirim all night, it's at the rabbi all night, till Shacharis, um, goes from Montreal, goes from Toronto, Baltimore, Philadelphia, I mean everywhere. Even outside the United States are coming. So, um, it's for girls, for women, and for families. We have a lot of families that come. So, um, boys up to the age of 13, that's it. If you're over 13, they can't come. So, um, it's a beautiful Shabbos, and we'd love you all to come. Um, all you need to do is call Ornava at 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V. Don't, you don't need the last A. What's the number? 647-6228. Okay. 1718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V. And uh, we'll make a deal. We'll figure out how to make it work. It could be four girls in a room. It could be two girls in a room. It could be one girl in the room. Depending on how much money you want to pay. Um, well, it's up to four up to four girls in the room. We only have two weeks. We didn't take out that many rooms. So once we're sold out, we're sold out. One of the ways to pay for it is we have raffles, which I can give you after the shear. And you, if you call the Ornava office or you go online, you can, you can book online too. Um... So if you don't have money to pay, you can sell the raffles, and the money you get from the raffles, which is two round-trip ticks to Eretz Yisrael, which will be drawn at the end of the Shabbaton, um, you can use the money from the raffles to pay for your room. So you don't have to take any money out of your pockets. You raise $250 for Anava, <coughs> well, there's four girls in a room, and there's four girls in a room, you raise the money, you pay it, you don't have to take anything out of your pocket, and some people may win the trip to Eretz Yisrael. So you'll be happy, they'll be happy, will be happy, and you're going to change your life that Shabbos, so Hashem's going to be happy. Everyone in the world is going to be happy because you went on the Shabbaton. See how it can work out? So, Mitz Hashem, February 3rd, Pasha's Bo. Okay, we hope to see you all. All those watching online, I expect tomorrow the phone to go off the hook, Mitz Hashem. I don't know when the next one's going to be. So, this is this year, I don't know what's going to be. We, had, we haven't had it for three years, so Chaparain... Definitely the last Shabbaton before Mashiach, that's for sure. I hope he'll be here before the Shabbaton. Then you definitely won't have to pay. 
All right. So here's the flyers. If anybody wants to get flyers, here's the flyers with all the advertisement on it. What did I miss? Oh, uh-huh. after Shachin, what's the Shabbos with Lisa Elephant, Binyan Adiyad, and Judy Wagner. So you, Mamish, get everything that you want. Shit, chizik, food, music, entertainment, all wrapped up in one. Oh, they're calling already. See how fast? Wow. Hi, you have reached um, Ornava's Shabbaton hotline. How can I help you? I'm in, the, I'm, I'm in the middle of a shear. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of a shear. Esti, I'm in the. I'm in the middle of a shear. She doesn't hear. Hello, I'm. In, she doesn't hear. She's talking. She doesn't hear. Okay. Anyway, so that was perfect. Good setup. So we learn a little bit chidah. A little bit chidah. Chidah is a very holy safer. And the chidah says the following. So, this week's parsha. most women don't get a chance to see this because you don't really get to look in a sefer Torah. But if you look in a sefer Torah, this week's parsha is called a parsha stuma. It's a parsha by Yechi, it's a parsha that's closed. When we finish, like last, normally when you finish a parsha, and then you go to the next parsha, there's a space. So you know, that Miketz is over, and now we're starting Vayigash, so there's a space. Here, there's no space. The last word in Vayigash and the first word in Vayichi are right next to each other. So they're right next to each other, so there's, so it's closed. If you open Sefer Torah and you look at it, you, you don't know how to find Pasha Vayichi, because usually there's a space, there's no space here. So which is the word that's in the wrong place? The first word of Ayichi or the last word of Ayigash? So the last word of Ayigash is correct. It ended where it's supposed to end. But the first word of Ayichi was supposed to be spaced away. It's not. It's right next to the... So the word that's stuma, the word that's closed, the word that's out of position, is the word Ayichi. Stuma means closed. Life, Ayichi, the word Ayichi stands for life. Life is something that's very closed. What does that mean? It's very closed. We really don't understand it. The biggest question that the human being has is Tzadik Viraloi. We see so many good people suffer. And we see bad people partying. So that was a question that Moshe Rabbeinu asked God. And it's a question that David Amelach asked God. And it's a question many times we ask ourselves. I changed. I grew. I'm doing the right thing. And everything is going wrong. So that's a very big question. So by Yechi, we have to understand that life is something that's close to us. Hashem, our lives are all part of Hashem. And He knows what He's doing. But many times we, we look at life and we just, it's just closed. We just don't understand. Rashi says that he wanted to tell his children when Mashiach was going to come. It's much easier to suffer if you know that's going to end. Right? So if you, if, if you broke an arm or something and you got, and you got to do physical, you know, therapy and it hurts, but you know that after a month it's going to stop hurting so you can do it. But if the guy says do physical therapy, how long does it take to get better? Could be a hundred years. So, <laughs> It's like, I can't do this, right? So you, 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 you have to have an end. And, and over here, Pashat Vayichi, Yaakov said, if my children are going to go into Golos, right? Mitzrayim, let me tell them when's the end. So that way you can handle it. When we get there, we'll be, right? So Hashem took away his Ruch HaKodesh. Chishiv Legalos is He wanted to say when Mashiach is going to come. And Hashem closed is Ruch HaKodesh. So that's one of the other reasons 
called the Pasha Stuma. Another reason it's called the Pasha Stuma because the Jewish nation went into Mitzrayim and our lives sort of got really bad. So, because yeah. No, he was, he was going to, oh, did he know himself? Um, doesn't say that. Probably not. He, he asked Hashem to give him the Ruch HaKodesh so he could tell his sons. But Hashem wasn't Megala to him. That's that case. You know, asking a good question. Let's see the, let's see the Lushan. I thought he knew and then he forget. So from Rashi is Mashma that he did know why. Shibikesh, he wanted Ligalois Esakesh, Lebanov. He wanted to tell them. And he forgot. Hashem made him forget. So it's much that he did know. Otherwise he would have said that he wanted to know the Kates and Hashem didn't tell him the Kates. So from the Lashon of Rashi, it's like what Ruth said, the Lashon of Rashi is he did know the Kates and he wanted to be Ligalois Esakesh. Okay. Now, it's a little bit Kabbalistic. Uh, when Adam separated from Chava, Adam separated from Chava, when Chava came from the Eitz Adas and he sinned, he was very upset that, you know, according to one Mephoirish, he didn't even know it was the Eitz Adas because the Eitz Adas was grapes and she squeezed grapes and she made wine. She gave him the wine so he didn't even recognize the fruit. So he was very angry that she did that to him. So he separated in their marriage. They separated for 130 years. And during those 130 years that he separated, he did an Avera. And because he did that Avera, the whole Kedusha of his Neshama shattered into many, many, many pieces. And the Avera that he did was compared to three Avera, Shvichas Damim, murder, Gilead Arayas, immorality, and Avayi Zara. So the Shleisha Avais, the three fathers... Avraham and Yitzhak Yaakov had to fix that, those Averas. So Avraham was Mesakein Avaydazara. He stopped Avaydazara in the world. He talked to the world about God. So he was Mesakein Avaydazara. Shvichas Dami, murder. Yitzhak was willing to die on Akedas Yitzhak. So he was Mesakein. He was Mesakein murder. And, and Yaakov Avinu, you can see there, it's okay, nothing's gonna happen. So Yaakov Avinu, he was Misakain Gilarayas. He didn't sin any his first his, his first child by Reuven, he said Rashis Aini. He never did a sin. He never did an immoral sin. So they fixed all three. Now how do we know that Yaakov was a Gilgal of Adam? So very fascinating. This 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 uh this shot is Ichidah is very fascinating. So he says like this. He says, since there's no separation, you could read in the Torah the last word of Pasha's Vayigash, which is connected to the first word, right? So the last word of Pasha's Vayigash was Ma'od. Vayifru, Vayirbu, Ma'od. They multiplied it very much. So the last word is Ma'od. So if you put them together, it says Ma'od, Vayichi Yaakov. Ma'od, Vayichi Yaakov. If you take the word Ma'od, it's the same letters as what? Adam. So it's Adam by Yechi Yaakov. Adam lived through Yaakov. So Yaakov was a Gilgal of Adam. Ma'od is Adam by Yechi lived Yaakov through Yaakov. So he was Mesakin. So we are all in this world, especially in our generation, we're all in this world to be Mesakin, to be Mesakin something that went wrong last time when we were here. Nobody in this room 
was a superstar tzaddikist the last time you were here. At the same time, nobody in this room was a Russia. Well, you would if you were tzaddikist, you'd be in Gan Eden. And if you were Russia, you'd be in Gehenim. Including Rabbi Wallerstein. Wasn't that a big tzaddik last time he was here? Or I'd be, he wouldn't be sitting in front of you. I'd be sitting in Gan Eden. Also, it wasn't so bad to the bone. So I would have been in Gehenim. So I was, we're all baining him. But we have something to fix. And usually the Zaya says, there's something, how do you know? So what am I here to fix? What do I know? What do I know? How do I know what I know, need to fix? He says, the, the Avera that you have the hardest trouble, the sort of the Avera that's like an addiction, that's very hard for you to get past, that's probably what happened to you last time, what you failed at last time. I told the story uh, many times um, that I was in a, I was, I had a, a crazy night many years ago and I was helping girls and I finally got home. It was about 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock. And I finally got into my bed and it's like 3 o'clock and I got to get up at 7. And you get your head on that cold pillow, right? And you get the blanket exactly what you want and you're on your side and you're ready. That's it. You're ready. To, that's it. I'm done. And I never leave my phone on. I always, what I do is, I put my, when I go to sleep, I put my phone on silent. So, I tell people, you can always call me a whole night. Because if I'm awake, I'll pick it up. If I'm not awake, you're not going to wake me up because it's going to be on silent. That night, I didn't put it on silent. I'm just halfway asleep. Perfect. The pillow's perfectly cold. And the phone rings. I'm like, I am not picking up this phone. But of course, who's calling me at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning? So I pick up the phone. Hello, is this Rabbi Wallerstein? I'm like, who is calling me at 3 o'clock in the morning? Hatsala. So I'm like, whoa. He says, we have one of your girls in the ambulance, but she will not go to the hospital unless you go with her. She's fighting us. I'm like, I need to go to sleep. Just take her to the hospital. I'm not getting out of bed. They're like, we can't take her like this. She's very agitated. I said, okay, how far are you guys? We're in your driveway. <laughs> was like, I don't believe this. So you got to get out of bed. And you gotta get dressed. My eyes were already closed. I couldn't even see straight. I rambled down the steps. I put on my coat. I go into the ambulance. She's, she's on the gurney, around the stretcher, whatever it is. She tried to hurt herself that night. Whatever, it's not important. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, we're going to the hospital. And they close the back door. And I'm like, I can't believe this. I have, I'm not gonna have a night. That's it. I'm done. And I'm sitting there. And, I'm looking at this girl and she's all strapped in and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Hashem, why tonight? Like, I just went to sleep. I'm dead tired. I mean, why tonight? And I'm really feeling sorry for myself that I finally got to sleep. I, what, what I do a whole night? I was busy helping girls. So I was like, okay, it's enough. Three o'clock. I'm allowed to go to sleep. I'm, I'm a human being, right? Nope. So as we're going, the sirens are on. We're going to Maimonides. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at this girl, I'm saying to myself, I am upset, why am I upset? There's no question on Rosh Hashanah, they wrote that Wallerstein, on this and this night, at 3 o'clock, 
is going to be in an ambulance on its way to Maimonides. Now, how you're going to be in that ambulance is up to you. If you're a person that's busy helping kids, then you're going to be in the ambulance to help a girl. You're doing a mitzvah to help a girl go to the hospital. But if you're not helping kids, it's not what you're doing. You're going to be in that. You're going to be in that ambulance. You have to have a heart attack. You're going to be the one laying on the stretcher. So you're either going to be laying on the stretcher, or you're going to be on the side doing a mitzvah, helping someone else, and be healthy and nothing wrong with three with no sleep. No, you'll sleep tomorrow. So what what you're going to do and where you're going to be, that's written. You're going to be in an ambulance at three o'clock in the morning. The question is, are you going to be the patient? Are you going to be the person helping the patient get there? So I started smiling to myself. I'm like, I'm good, God. I don't want to be in that stretcher. I'd much be ready sitting on the side, doing a mitzvah, helping a girl, helping her parents. Of course, I was up a whole night that night. It didn't matter. It was easy to be up. You know, my father was very sick when he had cancer. He was in a coma. And I was the night shift. And I used to sit there and watch him in a coma, which was very sad and very hard. And... Um, he was in a coma for two weeks, and I was a night shift for two weeks. And I was up all night to check his, you know, that everything was working. And so I was dozing off a little bit, but I was always, I was always sitting there. And sometimes I thought he was waking up, and whatever it is. And right after he passed away, I remember after the shiva, one of my talmidim. So we were talking, and he's like, he, he's like, I, I can't deal with this. I'm like, he had a newborn baby. He says like, she's so colicky. She cries a whole night. My wife works the whole day. She's dead tired. So I'm up a whole night. He said, Rebbe, I can't deal with it. I'm like, listen, I'll, I'll just make up a name. We're not going to say his name. Chaim. He says, Chaim, this past for Shoshana, Hashem wrote that we're both going to be up a whole night. I was watching my father die. And you're walking around with a baby that's your new baby. Stop complaining. You're going to have to be up all night. That's what was written. But how are you going to be up all night? You're all night with a little baby burping or whatever you have to do with her. I feel. I don't feel bad for you. I was up all night watching my father die. Like, how could you complain about this? So, sometimes a person has to realize that when, when it looks something that's really bad, I can't sleep, I, I have to do this, I have to do that. Yeah, but you could be the other one. You could be the patient, not the one that's doing the chesed. You could be the poor person. Oh my gosh, another person rang my bell. Oh my gosh, I can't sit and have a meal. All these collectors, I can't deal with this. Finally, I have some time to sit down, and they're ringing my bell, right? Really, you could be the collector. You could be, you're going to the door. But what side of the door you're on is up to you. You don't want to give tzedakah? Then you're going to collect tzedakah. That's up to you. What's written is written. But how, what position you're going to be at that time, when a person doesn't have Vera, so it says, this I heard from a long time ago from someone, I don't know if it was or someone else, it was amazing. He said that when you do an Avera, so the only way to be misogyn, to fix the Avera, when you come back in the next life, the Gilgo, is you have to be in the same place, in the same position, right? And this time you have to make the right decision. Because if you don't put you in the same place, same position, so you didn't fix what you did last time, you're somewhere else. Right? So, let's say, this guy, this person, he gave an example. This person went to church. This Jewish person said, I'm done with Yiddish guy. I don't believe in it anymore. I'm going to church. And he went to church every Sunday. He didn't go to shul. He didn't keep mitzvah. He didn't keep nothing. He became a Christian. Got himself baptized. and went to church every Sunday. 
Now he comes to Shemayim and they're like, you got to fix this. We got to send you back down. So now, to fix it, he has to be in a church. Because he has to fix it in the same place that it happened. So the rabbi said, so three things can happen. You're going you're gonna to go back, you're going to be in a church. There's nothing to talk about. Because you're going to get a chance to fix the Avera in the same place that it happened. So you're going to be in a church. So I said, but then how could that be good? You can't be good in a church. Like, what are you doing in a church? So the rabbi said, well, there's three reasons you could be in that church. One, you did it again. You were Jewish and you, you decided to get baptized and you failed again. You failed your Gilgul. You failed your Tikkun. That's one way. Two, you're an alcoholic. So you go to AA meetings. AA meetings are in a church. Right? So you're not serving Avoy de Zara. You're not doing an Avera, but you're in a church. So that's medium, because you don't want to be an alcoholic. He says, but you can work for an organization, a Jewish organization that goes into churches and takes Jewish kids out and makes them religious and brings them back. You're a tzaddik. So you're going to be in that church, either doing the same Avera, either being misogynated totally and saving people from this, and you have to go in and get them out, or you're an alcoholic. But you're going to be in that church. How are you going to be in that church? What you're going to do in that church? It's up to you. You're going to be in the ambulance. Are you going to be a hot solo member, saving someone's life? Or are you going to be the person in the stretcher suffering? That's up to how you live your life. If you live your life correctly, then you will be in that position, in a good position. If you live your life wrong, then you're going to be on the other side of the door. Stop complaining so much that you can't sit with your kids and eat supper without anyone ringing the bell to give tzedakah. If you're going to complain so much, I should say, okay, no problem. You'll never have to get up again from your meal to give tzedakah, because guess what? You're going to collect tzedakah. So it's really up to us what position we're in. That's Gilgal, that's Tikkun, that's the whole... Indian of Gilgul. So many times when you you have that big test, like, you know, you, you, you want to be disrespectful to your parents and you want to say something very nasty back to them, is because last time you were very disrespectful to your parents. So now you're getting a set of parents and you're being put in the same position and now you're giving you another chance. So you're going to be disrespectful or you're going to be respectful. If you're respectful, you, you were misaking what you did wrong last time. But you're going to be in that same position with the same kind of mother in the same family position and you're not going to be able to say, well, this is not fair. This is different. It's not going to be different. And that's usually the hardest thing that you have in your life that you're dealing with. It's usually what you did wrong last time. I don't know what I did wrong last time. But, you know... I'm helping a lot of people. So I must have messed up a lot of people. I don't know. Maybe I was a speaker on the other side. You know, taking people off the dirt. I don't know what I was doing last time. I have no idea. Who knows? But you know what? People go to Mukubalam. They say, look at my hand and tell me what I was last time. My Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel always says, when you figure out what you are this time, we'll talk about last time. So most people have no idea what they're doing here this time. Don't worry about last time. Last time is last time. All right, so that's a little bit about, about Gilgal. It's, it's, it's really what side of the fence you're on at that moment is what you are. What do you do? So, yeah, so I don't complain anymore if I'm woken up in the middle of the night. I have no problem with it because I'd rather be woken up to help than to be helped. I'd rather not wake up in the middle of the night sick, Kastashom, that I need help. I'd rather you wake me up that I can help somebody else. 
a much, much better way of getting up in the middle of the night. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, a beautiful thing that I heard many years ago. I don't know if it was from Avi Fischoff or he used to have a place called Home Sweet Home. And I was very much involved in Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home was a house where um, kids went post, post rehab, uh, most of them, and um, didn't have very functional homes at the time, or didn't get along with their, with their homes. And we had this house by Avenue P, and it was beautiful. There, there were like six or seven guys there. Every night, volunteers would come, take them out, bring them food. And I was very involved with all these guys. So I'm not, it, it was a beautiful place. I'm not sure if I heard, I think I heard it from Jakob Weinstein, who was one of the boys in the house. Either him or there was another kid there. I'm not sure which kid told me this. It was one of the nicest varts, nicest vartaira that I ever heard in my life. And he said the following. So, so Yosef comes to, his father's dying, and he comes, right? The days were coming to an end. And he, and he called his son Yosef. And he comes in with his two kids, and his father says, he can't see them. Well, yeah. But Ene Yisrael Kavdumi Zaykin, and the eyes of Yaakov Yisrael became very heavy with old age. Lo Yuchaliros. He wasn't able to see. Vayigash Oisam, and he brought them close to him. Vayigash Oisam Elav, and he brought them close to him. Vayishak he kissed them. Vayichabek and he hugged them. So this kid that told me this, so there was a, a very dysfunctional relationship that he was having with his parents. And there was a very big generation gap. So I believe it was his pshat, Maybe it was Yidl's shot. He was another boy there. And he said that Yaakov was old. He could not understand Ephraim and Menashe. There was a huge generation gap. It's like the kids today, right? WhatsApp, all this stuff. My generation, we don't know what's flying. We don't, we have old phones. We don't have smartphones. We, you know, somebody was in my office today and he saw that I have a, a checkbook that I write by hand. And he said, you, they don't do that anymore. You, everything is by computer. You don't write checks by hand. And I'm like, I'm, I'm from the old school. I'm still writing checks by hand. I still have a phone that, you know, I don't know what WhatsApp is. I don't have that. I don't have any of that. So there's a generation gap. Even the way kids talk. I remember, I was teaching, I don't know, this must have been 15 years ago, and the new saying was fat. Oh my God, that is so fat. It was coming a little bit out of the, wherever it was coming, and it was spelled P-H-A-T. Yo, whoa, that's fat. The first time I could sit in my class, like, Rebbe, you are so fat. I was like, you are so dead. I am so throwing you out of my class. He's like, no, not F-A-T, P-H-A-T. You were the coolest guy around. It was a compliment. I'm a generation gap. I don't know what that means. Right? So so this boy said, Yaakov was not able to see Ephraim and Menashe. He's like, you guys are brought up in Mitzrayim. I didn't, I, I'm coming from Yitzchak Avinu. He couldn't understand that. 
So he said that when you you can't understand it because of the generation gap, when grandparents and parents just don't understand their kids, like these kids are off the wall, right? Because of what's going on in, in, in the internet today. So Yaakov said, but there's something that always works. If you can't see the other person, right? You don't need to see to hug someone. You don't need to see to kiss someone. You can be blind and you can hug and kiss someone. So Yaakov Avinu said, I can't see them. Bring them close. He brought them close. And he hugged them and he kissed them. And that's a language that any parent can give their children, even if there's a huge generation gap. What a vart from this kid. What a deep, beautiful vartaira from this kid. He could not see them, right? So he said, Bring them close to me. Let me kiss them. That's a very big lesson. And from that kid, it was a really big lesson. So, he brings them to get benched, to get blessed. And Yaakov switches his hands and puts his hand on the younger son, the right hand. And he puts the left hand on the older son, Menashe, which was wrong because the Bachar should get the right hand. But he puts his right hand on Ephraim. So Yosef tries to switch them. And Yaakov says, don't switch them. I know what I'm doing. And Rashi explains that the reason he didn't put his right hand on Menashe is because from Menashe was going to come very, very bad kings in Klai It's a little hard to understand. Because when it came to Yishmael, and Yishmael was dying as a kid, and Hashem told the angels to make a miracle, make a well, the angel said, a well, this is Yishmael. He is going to hurt your children, the Jews, forever. In the future, he will go to war with them. He will be ISIS. He will blow himself up. And Hashem said, Hushom. I don't judge someone because of their future. I judge what they are right now. Right now, he's a young boy who never did a sin, who needs to drink. I'm not going to let him die. So the question here is, so then why did he change his hands? Because from Menashe is going to come bad people. Who cares what's going to come from Menashe? Right? It's a good question. I don't know the answer. There's a lot of talk on it. But what I do want to tell you is I have a different shot. And I spoke about it last night. So why did he, why did he switch hands? If you go back in Pasha Miketz, when Yosef had these two children, and he named them, right? What was their name based on? So let's go back to where he names them. And Yosef called the name of the Bechor, the older one, Menashe. He called him Menashe. Why? Kinashani Elokim es Kolamali is called base Avi. That God gave me the, the, the power to forget all my hardship and all my father's household. Hashem gave me the ability to forget my pain and to forget my father's household. The Hashem Hashem, the second son, Kare Ephraim. Why Ephraim? 
Because God multiplied me, made me fruitful in the land of my pain. So actually, the oldest son, this is according to one shot, the oldest son Menashe was named because he now made it, he's second to the king, he had got married, he had his first child, so he's like, I don't need to think about my pain, what I went through anymore, I don't need to, I don't miss my, my family. My brothers, I don't miss them after what they did to me. I don't miss them. I made it. Dr. Levinu said, my right hand, the right hand bracha, has to go on Hakar Satayv. The second name, Ephraim, was Hashem, thank you so much that in the land of Ani, of, of Mitzrayim, you gave me more children. So Ephraim's name, which is your source, your name is your source, whatever your name is, that's who you are, Ephraim's name is Hakaras HaToyv. Menashe's name is, I forgot what I went through. I'm not putting my right hand on that. So he put his right hand on Ephraim. And we say, Yisim Chalukim, Ke Ephraim first, Ucha Menashe. But, not everybody learns that way. A lot of people learn that really the, the name of Menashe, that, that I forgot my family and my pain, he was thanking Hashem that now, this beautiful pshat, he was, it wasn't a bad name. He was thanking Hashem that now that you made me the leader of Mitzrayim and I saved the world, I no longer am in pain what my brothers did to me because I can forget my family, what they did to me, because now I understand that you sent me down here, not them. You sent me to save the world. They're not the ones who sent me. So according to that shot, that's what Artscroll writes, according to that shot, it was also a name of Akar Satoz. We go back to the question, if that's the case, then why didn't he put his right hand on Menashe? So according to that shot, we go back to the case. So the answer Rashi says, is because from Menashe came a Russia, a very big Russia, very bad kings, and Hashem, and, and Yaakov didn't want to give Rocha power to those kings. So therefore he didn't. Comes back to question, but you're not supposed to judge according to what's going to happen. It's supposed to be what's happening now. Yeah, but when it comes to empowering the future kings, you don't want to do that. So it wasn't punishment. You can't punish someone. Hashem said, I'm not punishing Yeshua and letting him die for what he is going to do. You can't punish someone until he does it. This wasn't a punishment. This was an empowerment. So he was, he didn't want to empower Menashe in the future, not punishing you, that your king shouldn't have that kayak, so he didn't put his right hand on it. That's the whole shaki retire, the whole situation with Ephraim and Menashe. And we have this beautiful bracha of Yusimcha Lukim Kephraim Tanasha. Why not like like Shimon and Yehuda? Why not like Yusach and Zvulon? Because Ephraim and Menashe went through a terrible gallus. They were in Mitzrayim and they stayed very religious Jews. So, so Yaakov understood that we're going to go through all these gallus. And therefore, he wanted to give a bracha through two people who experienced and made it. Which goes back to all my shiurim on the famous struggle muscle. They struggled and made it through their struggle. That's the bracha you want to bench your kids every Friday night. You should be like Ephraim and Menashe. That they struggled, they were in Mitzrayim, and they still made it. And they, they still were very religious and in fact when he benched them he saw he lost his Ruch HaKodesh at first and when he got it back he realized that the two of them were very very holy 
he said when he got his Ruch HaKodesh back. They're as holy as my children. These two children are as holy as my Reuben and my Shimon. So, our bracha is a person who struggles and makes it. That's the biggest bracha. That's the biggest bracha. Because now you can carry others. If you didn't struggle, you didn't go through the struggle. Ephraim and Asher went through the struggle. So, we're now in Gullahs. We're benching our kids that you should be. You know, you're Gullahs. You know, there's television and there's movies and there's internet and there's all this stuff. They had that in Mitzrayim. They had clubs. They had the Mitzrayim had all kinds of various that you didn't even hear of in your life. And, and Ephraim and Asher, they didn't have a yeshiva. There was no yeshiva in Goshen. They went to Cairo High. They were public school. There was no yeshiva. There was no one there to teach them. It was just Yosef and his two kids. There was no one else there. There were no other Jews there. And they were able to live in Mitzrayim and be like Reuven and Shimon. It's amazing. Amazing strength. That's why we give them that bracha. Now there's a, a chidah at the end. It's not actually a chidah. It's a Rabbeinu Bachya, which is very important. Very important for all of us. And very important when you're a mommy. Also very important. He says the following. The Chidah says the following. When the brothers came to him, when the brothers came to him, so at the end of the Pasha, right, this is, you should go to Shul this week. We say Chazak, Chazak, when it's Chazak. The end of Horatius, right? So they're very worried because their father dies and they, the whole time they thought, yeah, you know what, Yosef's not killing us. Because he does, he's very close to, to Yaakov, his father. He's going to kill us. He's going to get our father angry. But the minute our father dies, he's going to wipe us out after what we did to him. He's now the king, right? So they made up a story. It wasn't even true. It wasn't even true. And they said, that our father said, listen to this, Yosef they said to Yosef saying, Avicha, your father, Sivalifnaimoso, commanded before he died, he left a will, he said, Koshamul Yosef, tell Yosef, please forgive the sins of your brother, brothers. Yaakov never said a word. We don't even know if Yaakov knew ever that they sold Yosef. Yosef never told him. So now they're coming and telling him, because they were very scared that he would kill them, they made up a story. And they said, by the way, you know, you weren't that when dad died, he said that we should tell you that you should forgive us. With his last will and testament, you have to do that. And Yosef cried. Why did he cry? Why did Yosef cry? And he knew they made it up. How do you know they made it up? So, Zot Rashi, Rashi says, Avichatziva, your father commanded, they change the truth. Vimnei Shalom is another place because of peace. Kilotiva Yaakov came that Yaakov never said this. Now you're going to think that Rashi is going to say, how do you know Yaakov didn't say this? Because Yaakov didn't know. But not everyone holds that Yaakov didn't know. Rashi says something unbelievable about Yosef Atzadeh. Kiva and Shalom Nechsha Yosef Be'enah. Yaakov never would be chayshed that Yosef would ever take revenge on his brothers. Yosef ben Adam Lechamero, Yosef was the, was the one that was worried about the children of the Shvachos. So, Yosef knew my father would never, if he knew that you sold me, he would never tell you to warn me not to hurt you because 
We knew, he knew me, and he knew I would never hurt you. So he started to cry. And you guys really think that I would take revenge? That's what you think of me? You had to make up a whole story that, that our father said this when he didn't? Because you thought I would take revenge? It was on such a level of being other than that he actually cried, these brothers who sold him, he cried that they even thought in their mind that he would ever take revenge. How would I ever, I would never take revenge on my brothers. Now listen to what happens. So, so they realized that ain't working. He, see, he saw right through that. So now what are you gonna do? If he knows that our father never said it. Now we're in trouble. So by, by, by they bow down in front of him. Don't kill us. We didn't kill you. Do mida keneged mida. We sold you for a slave. So you can't kill us. At the end of the day, we didn't kill you. We sold you as a slave. So you want to fix it? Sell us as a slave. Don't worry, don't fear me. Why? What was he saying here? What am I, God? He was telling the brothers there's only one in the world to fear. And there's only one in the world that you're an Eved to. And that's God. Don't ever fear a human being. What am I, God? You're scared of me? Never be scared of a human being. There's no human being in the world that you should be scared of. You should always only be scared of Hashem. Ba'atem, now he gave them a little musr. Ba'atem, chashaftem alai ra. You had bad intentions. You're not, I'm not making you guys into tzaddikim here. You had bad intentions. But, alikim chashavolitayva. You may have had bad intentions, but God had good intentions. Laman asoy kayom azelahachios amrov. So that I would become the king, second to the king, and that I could save the world. Don't be scared. I will feed you with and your babies. He comforted them. Imagine they sold him. He comforted them. And he spoke to their hearts. He was never said the words, I forgive you. He said, What? You think you did something wrong to me? You think you, it's up to you? I came, this whole thing happens, I can save the world. But he never said to the brothers, I'm Michael you. He never said, I forgive you. Listen to this chidah. So chidah says the following. The Golis Mitzrayim Hoya Bavur Chet Mechiras Yosef. The whole Golis of Mitzrayim was because of the sin that they sold Yosef. The Gam Gezeras Haman the Purim, the Gezerah of Haman to destroy every Jewish person was on Purim because they sold Yosef. In Medrash Rabbah it says, Shehoya Bechet Mechiraz Yosef. The Asarei Harugei Malchus, the terrible, terrible death of the ten Harugei Malchus that we say on Yom Kippur and we say on Tisha B'Av, they raped Rabbi Akiva, they peeled the skin off they chopped their heads off, they burnt them, all these terrible things, it was to do a kapara on the shvatim, and they had to come back in a gilgal and die in a terrible way, because the, the, the ten shvatim were never punished for what they did, 
And if you read the story, the, the king says, and I see in your Torah, what's the, what's the punishment if you sell, if you kidnap someone and you sell him? And they said, death. He said, well, didn't the Shvatim kidnap Yosef and sell him? So I didn't see that they died. So I'm going to take you ten Sadiqim. And he filled the room with shoes. Because it says that when they sold Yosef, they didn't know what to do with the money because it was unholy money. So they bought shoes. So the king filled the room with shoes. So they understood that the whole thing was because of Mechiras Yosef. So all this happened because of Mechiras Yosef. And it's brought down that every single generation... Ten tzaddikim and tzaddikaniyas die who are pure and don't deserve to die because of Mechiraz Yosef. Says the Rabbeinu Bachya. Very scary. Rabbeinu Bachya, Rabbeinu Bachya, Kostam B'zel Shainai. V'hinei Echa B'kshimi Menu Mechila. The brothers asked him to be Meichel them. V'loi Ber HaKostam Shemachal Hem. It doesn't say in any Pasuk that, they ever, that he ever forgave them. And it says in the Chazal, Kol anybody who does a sin to his friend, hurts his friend, will also tshuva and does tshuva, he will not ever be forgiven, until he gets forgiveness from his friend. So you can be the firmest girl in the world, but if you hurt someone, right, you're going to pay a big price. And we'll talk about a story, I'll tell you a crazy story, very scary, about Gilgal and about hurting someone's feelings. And even though the Torah says, that he comforted them and he spoke to their hearts. It seems to be from this that Yosef was okay with them. But it doesn't say anywhere in the Pasuk that Yosef said the word Mechila. They died below Mechila Yosef. They never got the words from Yosef. And you can't, they could not find forgiveness unless he said those words. And therefore we're suffering till today. Haman, Paro, sorry, Rugei Malchus. Till today we're suffering because he never said, I'm Michael you. And the, in the Sefer Chasidim, it says, he was a big tzaddik that he didn't take revenge. He did not say clearly that he is Michael then. It doesn't mean that he wasn't Michael then, but he didn't say the words. If he would have said the words to the ten brothers that I am Michael you, there would have been part from everything, there would have been no Haman, there would have been no Surah Malchus. And they wouldn't have gone into the shibit of, of just the word mechila. The reason I'm telling you this is because I go to my mother, she should be gezunt, I have a richas yamim, amen. Every Arab Yom Kippur, I say, Ma, are you Michael me for all the stuff I did? And I do. And she says the same thing every year. I'm your mother. I love you. I don't have to be Michael you. How, how, how could a mother have hard feelings towards her child? I'm like, say after me. I am Michael Zechariah, my son. Say the words. If you don't say the words, Mechila, you can tell me you love me, I'm the best thing that ever happened to you, you can tell me I'm great, and, and you, I never have to give you Mechila, you're super... No. You have to say the words, I'm Michael you. And a husband and a wife, before Yom Kippur, have to say the words, I'm Michael you. And parents have to be Michael their kids. And sometimes kids have to be Michael their parents. 
You have to use that word. It's Rabbeinu Bachi says that Yosef used that word. No Haman. No Rabbi Akiva dying in a terrible way. No innocent ten tzaddikim every generation dying for no reason. You have to be Michael. You have to say those words. Not like, oh, don't worry, it doesn't bother me. Uh 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 uh. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. Okay, we're going to end with this. So it's a Pasha Stuma. Life is a Pasha Stuma. Life just sometimes doesn't make sense. One of the hardest things to understand that we know that the last Pasuk of every book, the whole book of Bereshis, the last Pasuk is a synopsis. Of Bereshis, the last, the last Pasuk in Shemos, the last Pasuk in Vayikra, the last Pasuk in Midbar, the last Pasuk in Devarim. So if you want to understand the whole Bereshis, right, the end of the book, you look at the last line in the book, you know what happened. So the last Pasuk in Bereshis, if we look at it, we have a synopsis of the whole Bereshis. So let's tonight all learn together the last Pasuk in Bereshis. And then, in Shul, they, they read the last Pasuk, everybody says, Chazak, Chazak, Menis Chazak. And the little kids say, Chazak, Chazak, Menis Chazak, my mother baked a chocolate cake. Right? That's the old little kids sing that. Now, let's see what the Pasuk says. By Yamas Yosef, Yosef died. Ben Meir Be'ezashanim, he was 110 years old. By Yechantu Oso, they mummified him. They, they put a mummy, they wrapped him up. By Yisim Ba'aron, and they put him in a coffin. And the Medrash says it wasn't a wooden coffin. It was a coffin made out of metal, because... They put the coffin in the Nile River. They didn't want it to ever rot because once they put Yosef's um, coffin in the Nile River, the river every year would overflow. Mitzrayim gets no rain. The way they irrigate, they irrigate their fields is through the Nile River, it irrigates the whole Egypt. So when Yosef's coffin was in the, in the Nile, the water overflowed and Mamish, it was amazing for the Mitzrayim. So they put him in an Aron. In Mitzrayim. Does anyone in this room understand what does that have to do with Bereshis? Noach, Why would the Torah end on a posik of death? And it doesn't say anywhere else in the Torah that they put someone in a coffin. Avram died, no coffin, doesn't say. Yitzhak died, no coffin. Yaakov just died, same Pasha. No coffin. Why are you giving me this detail? Mummified him and put him in a coffin, right? And the last word in Bereshis is a trigger word. Mitzrayim. Don't end the book of Bereshis with our enemies Mitzrayim. So how does this last Pasek encompass the whole book of Bereshis? You could have said he died five sukkim before that. In fact, there's a passage before that says, by Yishba Yosef is B'nai Yisrael, he made them swear that when, that Halaisim is Atmosai Mizeh, that you're going to take my bones up to Eretz Yisrael. That would have been a nice last passage. And the brothers and everyone swore that when Yosef dies, that when they go up to Eretz Yisrael, so they're coming out of Gullus, it means they're going to come out of Gullus, they're going to go to Eretz Yisrael. You're going to take my bones and bury him in the And that's how the... No. But you said, they put him in a coffin? In the trial, they left him in the trial. 
So we're, we're going to get there. So it's actually the best pasuk in the whole book of Bereshis. Because when it says that the Yams have split, it says, Vayanos, right? Hayam Ra Vayanos, you say it in hollow. And the, and the, and the ocean saw something. It saw, what did it see? Vayanos, and it split, it ran. What did it see? Says the Medrash. Arono, show Yosef, the coffin of Yosef. Why did it split? Because it saw the coffin of Yosef? Because, because to split the yam, it's, it's, it's against its nature. And it said to Hashem, I don't break nature. I'm not breaking nature. Klai doesn't deserve it more than Mitzrayim. The Jews serve Abay Dezorah. And the Mitzrayim serve Abay Dezorah. I'm not splitting. When it saw the Oren of Yosef, it saw a human being that broke his nature in two different ways. One, he was with the most beautiful girl in the world. She was seducing him. He was a man. He was a beautiful man. He was away from his father. Nobody would ever know about it. Right? The Shvatim sold him. He had all the reasons to rebel and do this Avera. And in the last second, he saw the Dukuno Shalaviv. He was brought up by a father that was very strong. And he saw that, he saw his father's strength and he saw who his father was. In the last second he was saved, he broke his nature. He broke a normal man's nature and he didn't sin with her. But there was something bigger that he broke. And that was the nature that were all the psukim before this pasuk. And that was that he had no hatred for his brothers. And that he was able to say, you guys, you didn't even do anything to me. Just the opposite. Hashem did this. It's not about me. Instead of our human nature is pointing fingers. What do you mean? Look at my brother. He did it. You did it. You did it. You did it. It's your fault. My mother's fault. My father's fault. My teacher's fault. The Rebbe's fault. This one's fault. That one's fault. We're, we're always blaming someone else. We're never blaming ourselves. Yosef said, blame? There's no blame. You think you threw, you think you sold me to a tribe? Hashem put that in your head. You guys didn't do anything wrong. This is what Hashem wanted. He broke the normal nature of a person to take revenge on the people that hurt him. He was a nature breaker. Had he been buried in Eretz Yisrael, like Yaakov, had he said, I die, you have to take me out of here right away and send me to Eretz Yisrael, the Jewish nation would have come to the Yamsuf. The Mitzvah are behind us. The Yamsuf is in front of us. The Yamsuf is like, I'm not splitting. There's no Oren of Yosef. There's no breaking of the Teva. We're done. So what saved us is the last three words in the Sefer of Bereshus. They didn't take him to Eretz Yisrael. They put him in a coffin in Egypt. And if they wouldn't have put him in the coffin of Egypt, the Yam wouldn't have split. We would have never gotten out of that. There would have been no Harsinai. There would have been no Torah going to the Klai Yisrael. The one that had that made that happen was the last Pasuk that they left him in Mitzrayim and they left him in a coffin. So it looks to us, in our eyes, as the worst Pasuk. Mummified him. He died. Put him in a coffin. Left him in Mitzrayim. Oh my God. Sadik Viraloi. He was a, a big tzaddik. And look what you did to him. You threw him in the Nile. With the tumor, with everything in Mitzrayim. You didn't even take him to Israel. Today, everybody goes to Israel. How far is Mitzrayim from Eretz Yisrael? Very close, Egypt from Eretz Yisrael. So it looks like to us, the worst Pasuk. Stuma, life, a 
is, looks like it's closed. It looks like, look at this terrible thing that happened to such a good person. Such a bad thing. And the answer is no, just the opposite. Because of this, we ended up, the Yam ended up splitting. We ended up going to Hashinai. We ended up getting the Torah. And what is Bereshis? Bereshis, the beginning of the first word in Bereshis, is Bereshis Baralakim. That's Hashemayim, right? Akash Baruch Hu created the world. Why did he create the world? Why did he create the world? He created the world for the Torah. So the whole Bereshis is dependent on this last word. And the first word in the, in the book of Bereshis starts with Abayz. And the last word in the book of Bereshis starts with Abayz. But they look like such opposites. The racist that the Torah opens up in is creation. It's a great thing. The last word in Bereshis, the Bez, is what? The Mitzrayim. The worst thing. He was left in Mitzrayim. And the answer is, the reason that the Torah starts with the Bez is why? Anyone here know why? Because Bez stands for? Why does it start with an Aleph? Aleph stands for Aura, curse. Bez stands for Bracha. Hashem wanted to use a letter that stands for Bracha. So here you have the perfect ending to Vayechi, that it's closed, that it's stuma. You have two bases. The beginning of the book of Horatius is a base. It's an amazing base. God created the world. The last word in, in Horatius is also a base. It's the worst base. B'mitzrayim. Wrong. Without the last base of B'mitzrayim, there's no Horatius. Because the whole world was only created so that we would get to Torah and we couldn't get to Torah if he wasn't buried in Mitzrayim. So we don't understand what we see. We think we know what's a bracha, what's not a bracha, what's good, what's not good. The best representation in the Torah for us to see that we don't understand anything is this week's parasha. And therefore it's stuma. By a key life is a closed, is a closed book. The only time it will become an open book again is when Mashiach comes. From here be a main new amen. Please come to the Shabbaton. We will make it work for you. Call the office. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.